Good morning. Happy Hanukkah and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. This has been an exciting week for us at Jew in the City. We released our Orthodox Jewish All-Stars 2014 video. This video features five of our 10 All-Stars, including uh, Columbia uh, Law School Dean Emeritus, David Schizer, uh, four-time Emmy-winning Today Show producer, Yael Federbush, um, Creative Director of BCBG Generation, Joyce Azria, uh, Disney Director and Animator, Saul Blinkoff, and a Professor of uh, Mathematical Physics at Caltech, Barry Simon, who has won uh, in the last couple of years um, the highest prize you could win in Mathematical Physics, the Poincaré Prize. And um, this is our most ambitious video to date. It's actually over 16 minutes long. We premiered it a couple of weeks ago at the Orthodox Jewish All-Stars Awards Party. Press is still coming out from that. Um, we're still hearing so much positive feedback from that. And um, the beautiful thing about this video is that we get to hear a little more in-depth for this time as opposed to two years ago we did our first all-stars video it was more just like a sound bite from each all-star it was a five-minute video so the fact that this is three times as long with half as many people we're getting to hear more of their stories about how they rose up in their career and how you know the judaism you know what part of their life was you know did the jewish stuff uh happen in, for instance, uh, Yael Federbush grew up religious, and actually half of our all-stars um, for the 10 grew up religious, um, but four of the all-stars for this video uh, are Bali Chuva, came to observance later. So getting to hear how, um, you know, they've managed keeping kosher in a secular environment and, you know, how Shabbos has... Um, impacted their career in a positive way and given them that balance. Um, it's really an incredible group of people and you can check it out right now on JewInTheCity.com. Um, today we have uh, some great guests. Um, first up on our show is the director of um, probably one of the most well-known Orthodox Jewish uh, you know, musical groups um, in recent years. Uh, this group sort of came onto the scene in a worldwide sense four years ago with their breakout YouTube video, Candlelight. And um, they have traveled all across the globe. They have sung at the White House. They've been on tons of, uh, you know, different shows and articles written about them. And um, what I think is fascinating about this group, the Maccabees, if you haven't uh, figured it out yet, is that um, a lot of uh, groups that bring them on, a lot of you know media that refers to them, they call them the Jewish acapella group from Yeshiva University. And when um, we interviewed them for our Orthodox All-Stars video two years ago, I kind of pointed out to them that a lot of groups are calling you Jewish, but no one is calling you Orthodox Jewish. And it's interesting that a lot of times in the media, when it's someone who has, you know, um, defrauded the government, um, you know, in terms of some sort of monetary thing, someone has abused a child. In that case, the person is always an ultra-Orthodox Jew. Um, but in the case of people doing good things and, you know, um, living lives that are balanced and positive, um, like Tamir Goodman, who was referred to as the Jewish Jordan or the Maccabees, who are a Jewish acapella group from Yeshiva University, um, oftentimes we don't hear the word Orthodox in there. And so I think um, it made uh, an impression on them that that it's important for us to use that word in a positive way. And with us today, we have the director of this amazing group, the Maccabees, um, and his name is Chaim Horowitz. Chaim, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you so much for joining us. This is this is a busy week for the Maccabees. It's uh, Hanukkah is sort of uh, the time that you guys, uh, you know, it, it's your, your big time for the year. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a little bit it's a little bit wild. Um, if I sound a little bit raspy, it's because we just got off a uh, a red eye because we did two uh, sold out shows in Palo Alto, California yesterday. So it's, really, it's oh, my husband's weeks. from Palo Alto. Yeah. Very cool. All right, glad uh, there's a uh, cool Jewish stuff happening in Palo Alto now. So. Um, when you guys broke out with Candlelight four years ago, sort of like that was the thing that put you on the map. How long had you been around before that? What was sort of going on before uh, the breakout? We, we, we existed as uh, Yeshiva University's undergraduate acapella group uh, in the two or three years prior to releasing the Candlelight video. Um, but we didn't really um, you know, perform publicly all that often. Um, we had you know, a small friends and family kind of following. Uh, we did, however, release an album, you know, thanks to the generous support of the president's office at Yeshiva University. Uh, but we really only started touring extensively, as you mentioned, uh, you know, at the end of 2010, once that Candlelight video hit the airwaves. Do you guys have a theory as to why Candlelight was so different than what had been going on for the two years before that? Like, well, what was... you know, we've been scratching our heads for the last four years trying to recreate the perfect storm. Um, there, you know, there were a few things. First of all, we, we chose to parody a song, which was already wildly popular the previous summer. Um, and uh, Hanukkah was earlier in the, you know, in the December month. So there was a little bit of time between, between the holidays so the media had to find something to concentrate on. Uh, but ultimately, I think... And, you know, this is something we attribute all of our success to, um, is that there's a tremendous thirst for um, the authentic Jewish identity, an authentic Jewish practice um, out there. And, you know, not even just Jewish, actually, people just kind of being proud of who they are, out of their tradition. So when we put out a video uh, where we're wearing our yarmulkes and thinking about our holidays, um, it really found, found um, you know, a, a place that found it resonated with a lot of people. So I think not just, you know, I have my theories too. I think it's not just that you're wearing the yarmulke because that's been done before, but that you were so sincere about like, you know, you're learning Torah in that video and um, there's the goofiness and that you can, you know, sort of make fun of yourselves, but that the religious stuff to you guys, um, you can really catch the, sin the sincerity as the viewer. And I agree that people do have a thirst for that. And something else I think that's interesting, you know, the modern Orthodox sort of persona or presence doesn't really exist in the media. The two options are like super secular, Fran Drescher, Jerry Seinfeld, we're used to that. Um, or it's the super Hasidic, you know, super serious, um, and which I think is not so fair uh, for that side because there's a lot of fun, funny, you know, um, lighthearted, um, ultra-Orthodox Jews out there. But sort of seeing the, the person that's balancing the Jewish while being in the world is not so prevalent. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it's been really, um, really an amazing opportunity that we've been able to go out there and, and kind of fall into that, that healthy middle that you're, that you're I think, alluding to. Um, you know, we actually have a large following uh, in the Christian community as well. Um, and, uh, you know, they're surprised when we don't show up with, you know, hats and, and, and long beards. Uh, so it's, it's, been, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty fun to, uh, and pretty, pretty amazing as well to, um, to be, you know, representatives of the YU lifestyle out in the world. And by YU lifestyle, let's just clarify for our fans, Yeshiva University, Torah Umada, you know, Torah, and then balancing the rest of the world. Have you ever gotten any feedback from fans about people whose religious journeys, Jewish people whose journeys you might have sparked based on your music or sort of uh, seeing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, we, uh, if you've seen last year's Hanukkah video, we kind of based that video on a real email that we received. Um, 
because in the weeks and months following the release of the Candlelight video, we did get a lot of messages from fans um, saying things like, you help us celebrate the holiday. But there's one, there's one that really stood out. Uh, that was from a young man who was the only Jewish kid in his public school of uh, two or 3,000 kids. Um, and he told us that until he saw our Candlelight YouTube video, he was always kind of embarrassed to go to school and be himself and wear his kippah, you know, act, you know, figuratively wear his Judaism on his sleeve, but literally wear his Judaism on his head. Uh, right. But after he saw our video, he kind of was inspired to go out there and be himself. And that's really affected us in a very profound way hmm. uh, in terms of what we do and how we how we think about what we, what we should do next. Beautiful. And so you have this exciting new video that's out that I can't get out of my head. It's all about the NACE. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Like, where did the idea yeah. for that come from? You know, uh, yeah, we were we were brainstorming out. You know, the, the, the credit for, for the the, um, the the beauty of the video always goes to our, uh, our videographer, Uri Westridge, who's really just the master of, of the camera and everything else that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, but the, the concept of the video um, is that we were kind of uh, thinking, and, and this is, not, I don't want to sound cynical, but we wanted to make a Hanukkah video about how Hanukkah was more than just Hanukkah videos, because, yeah. you know, it's great that everyone's out there kind of disseminating the narrative, the story um, of the holiday, and, you know, the, the rituals, like, you know, menorah, of course, which is uh, actually a mitzvah, um, and, you know, other stuff that's been picked up throughout the years, like the latkes and, and spinning dreidels and all that stuff, but we we wanted to make sure that there was also a focus on what was going on behind all of that. Uh, so we decided to do a pop parody, which we haven't done for a few years. Um, but while doing a pop parody, also kind of comment on, you know, uh, how Fonica was a lot more than a pop parody. Sure. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to make. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we think we, uh, you know, we're, we have a challenging here, but out of Fonica video that's a little different from, from the previous years, uh, sure. and we think uh, that was uh, very important for us to put out, put out that message. It's hard when you're successful that you have to sort of compete against your own success. Um, so, But I think what's so beautiful about this one is that it's not, I don't think it's putting anyone down, but I think it's sort of a good message, like a reminder of um, that, you know, that, that this is a meaningful holiday, and, you know, if it's oil, if it's latkes and fried food and dreidel, then you've just begun, and I think it's sort of a you know, a reminder to the, the viewers, delve deeper like we have, and there's more meaning to it. Was that sort of your, your that idea? Was, yeah, that? Yeah, thank you. Yes, that was, that was put very well. Because, yeah, I'll tell you like this, because for me growing up, that's what it was. It was the presents, it was the candles, it was the dreidel. And I didn't even know when I went to seminary and I started learning the, the Torah behind Hanukkah and the depth and mm -hmm. the beauty of, mm -hmm. you know, in a way, Hanukkah is such an assimilated holiday in the country today, even though it's like the anti-assimilation holiday. So um, I think it was a very, um, again, instead of just only being light and funny and cute and, you know, a song that we all have stuck in our head, um, you sort of push the viewers to, to grow a little bit. And right. I, I, I like, love that I like about that you guys. We, we push the viewers. That's, that's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're pushing. Yes, yeah, I, I get it. I'm going to use that one. No, but I, I think in a, in a, in a lighthearted way, you don't say if you're only doing this, then you're doing a bad Hanukkah. You're saying if you're doing this, then you've just begun and sort of like um, look further. And I think it's great because you're you're leading. You're the, the pushing is happening by by leading. You're showing us that example of balancing the fun and the meaning. And um, we're so proud that you guys were our original 2012 Orthodox Jewish All Stars, uh, um, and we're so yeah, proud that, of your that's continued a really cool success. program. How was the uh, party this year, by the way? The party was amazing. 
Um, and we're, you know, we, we really have so much Hakar Zatov, so much gratitude that you guys were with us the first year. We had nine of the All-Stars show up this year. We had wow. a ton of press um, and people just left with that feeling of, I can have the best of both worlds and that I can live out my dreams and, you know, use my talents. But at the same time, um, the Jewish stuff isn't there to hold me back. It's there to enhance my success and give my success meaning and purpose. So, um, yeah, you, you know, we, we feel really a lot of gratitude that you were there to help us start off, us off. And we hope that you'll be able to join us in a future year. I know you guys are all yeah. booked, you know, like uh, Australia one day and Katie Kirk the next day and the White House oh, the next if day. There are any, if there are any potential clients out there, we're actually right now booking for, uh, for next Hanukkah. So that's how this works. Wow. Okay. Well, um, you guys should yeah. have continued success um, and continued inspiring of all your fans. And thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thank you for having me, and, uh, and good luck on all your projects as well. Thank you, and happy Hanukkah. Okay. Happy Hanukkah. Bye-bye. I always love uh, speaking to the Maccabees and following their success, and you know, I think they really um, embody that idea that there's so much that we can do in this world using our talents, um, while at the same time um, being spiritually connected um, and staying true to Jewish tradition, to Jewish law. Um, it just ca- kind of provides for a great segue into our next uh, guests that are joining us today <clears throat> and the next project that we're working on. And this is called Project Makom. Now, Project Makom um, got its start um, at the beginning of the summer. We've sort of been on a, a soft launch. Um, we recently, in the last few days, have uh, you know done more of an official launch. Um, it was about a year and a half ago. I was at a speaking engagement, and a couple came up to me at the end and told me, um, we love your approach. We love how loving and open-minded your approach to orthodoxy is. We were raised in a very ultra-Hasidic uh, type of community. And I think it's important for us to understand that not all uh, Hasidim and not all Haredim, Yeshivish people are the same, that there are, just like the modern Orthodox world has nuances, more to the left, more to the right, so too the Haredi and Hasidic world has people more to the left and more to the right. And you'll find many open-minded, you know, sort of um, accepting types within the Hasidic world, but then you'll also find some of the more ultra types that are very, very closed off. So this one guy said he was raised very, very ultra Hasidic and there was not enough room for him to sort of be himself and to, you know, use his talents and be as connected to the world as he wanted to be. And he said he still wanted to be religious, but he didn't know how to do it. And it was pretty fascinating for me to see that there would be a group of people that did not want to end up how their parents raised them and yet still wanted to be religious. Up until that point, there was only an organization called Footsteps, which helps people transition out of ultra-Orthodoxy completely into the secular world. Um, now, I had this guy on my mind for many months after I met him because, unfortunately, in the middle of the speaking engagement when I met him and his wife, I got distracted by another uh, person that was there and when I looked up they were gone. So after about a year of having lost these people, I read something online about an ex-Hasidic woman who said for three years she tried to acclimate into the non-Hasidic, more like, you know, um, mainstream Orthodox world and she just felt rejected again and again. No school would accept her son. No one had them for Shabbos. After reading her story, at the end she said she was paying a neighbor to play with her son on Shabbos. I read this story and I said, this is enough. We must do something. And so, um, I posted something on June the City, maybe in June, saying, I'm not sure what we're doing right now, but something must be done. We need to offer support to the people who want to stay religious, but just not be as ultra as they used to be. Um, if you want to help, speak up now. And we heard from 200 people around the world, including two women that are going to be joining us today. Um, Mindy, um, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. I was pronouncing it Shaper, but she's going to pronounce uh, correct me. It's 
Schrepper, Schrepper, she's going to correct me, and Gabriella Lerner. Um, and um, Mindy and Gabriella, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Hi. Thank you. So um, just to give guy, yeah, everyone a little bit of a background, both Mindy and um, and Mindy, please remind me how to um, pronounce your name because I know, I know I just botched it. How's your last name pronounced? Schopper. 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 Okay. I'm gonna treat, I, I've been pronouncing it wrong as I've been reading it for months now. I apologize. I'm going <laughs> to need to redo that in my brain. Schopper. Um, just a few more times. So um, both of them wrote to me independently and said, I've been wanting to do this for a long time and they're going to explain why this calling is especially important to them. Um, and so the two of them have actually spearheaded um, our effort. We decided to name this project Project Makom because it's about helping people who were sort of lost um, in the, between these different worlds find their place. It's about us in you know the rest of the Orthodox world um, recognizing that people are feeling lost and making space for them wherever they want to end up that we should make them feel included. And so uh, Mindy, if we could start with you, could you tell um, our listeners today why this uh, initiative is near and dear to your heart? Okay. Um, well, I grew up in a modern Hasidish family in Borough Park. So what modern Hasidish meant, at least with my particular family, was that we were Hasidish and actually Rebish. My grandfather has a small shul. But we were modern in the sense that we were allowed unlimited access to books, to the library, to the internet, to movies. So growing up, I always had this um, conflict between what you know the community expected of me and what I was raised with in terms of the more you know secular world infiltrating into my life. And, um, you know, I always felt like I didn't fit in. And there were a lot of things about me, things that I were reading, things that I were thinking about that I couldn't, you know, find outlet for in, you know, Vara Park or in my, the Bisako school that I went to. And, you know, I felt, you know, am I, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I, you know, not being as Jewish, not being as religious by wanting to do all these things that are not accepted in my community? And it was a struggle for a really long time. Um, I had like two years after high school were extremely miserable and unhappy and trying to find my way. And then I finally went to Neve Yerushalayim, to the Baal Tshuva program in Israel, and that was the beginning of my new life. You know, over there I was allowed to ask the questions, to talk about the things that were interested, interested in me, to find out about Judaism in a different perspective. And then I met my husband. My husband is a convert who is um, extremely philosophical. And, you know, since then I've just been exposed to a different kind of way of living, which is much more suitable to me. And we now live in Memphis, Tennessee, which is a you know, modern Orthodox community, and I'm just, you know, extremely happy that I was able to find a way to, you know, still be Jewish in a way that is satisfying to me and, you know, fulfill all my other talents and, you know, interests as well. Fabulous. Um, and Gabriella, could you tell us how this uh, this mission and this project um, sort of spoke to you, what, what you had been thinking before you had uh, heard that we were looking for people to help out? So, um, for a long time, uh, and now, just uh, for background, I've always been modern Orthodox, although um, I grew up in a more left-wing iteration of it than I am now. I, I became more to the right than uh, I was raised. But uh, oftentimes we would hear stories about someone who left the Hasidic world and made some big splash writing a tell-all, salacious uh, book about about their terrible experience. Um, and there were mainly two things that got me thinking about this. The first was... Um, I'm a teacher. Um, I actually teach both Tanakh and English uh, at the high school level. My first job out of college, though, was teaching ESL, English as a Second Language, in a uh, girls' school in Williamsburg. So that was a very um, fun and interesting experience to see um, how uh, things were taught in an environment that I was not used to. But then... Um, 
I would hear these stories sometimes and I would think, you know, as many people do, why do people leave and go all the way? What about someone who maybe still wants to be religious? Maybe they have no problem with keeping Shabbos or eating kosher food, but it's just some of the strictures are a little too much. There are other alternatives. Why aren't people taking those other alternatives? Well, I got my answer a couple of years ago when a uh, friend of my husband's who was raised ultra yeshivish in Lakewood decided that um, Lakewood, the, the uh, environment in Lakewood was not for him and he wanted to try out life in uh, Washington Heights. And um, he felt at least on the level, like philosophically, that that was for him. But uh, it turned out that there were so many cultural differences. For instance, he had never gotten a college education. He, he does work and he actually works a decent job and makes good money. But uh, young women didn't want to date him because he didn't have a college education, which is a big value. And there's a big emphasis on that in the modern Orthodox world. And that kind of answers the question for, for, for me of, gee, I guess that's why some people just uh, choose see it as an all or nothing because they're not fitting in when they try to find something that works. So I think so, something that what that we discovered here is that it's not just about um, some people in the ultra orthodox world being dissatisfied with where they were. It's that um, we need to sort of wake up in the modern orthodox world and be aware that we need to be more inclusive and not maybe as judgmental or help. Would you say that's correct? I would say that's correct. I would find like he was definitely being judged for his lack of a of higher education. You know, I think um, one of the things that, that we're that we're sort of, you know, trying to carefully tread here is that this is not about bashing any one community. We kinda have right. to Right. No, no, no. There. It's not bashing a community. It's just right. that he came in and he found that there were certain cultural elements that sure. weren't lining up. No, no, 100%. But I'm, I'm saying that, like, you know, I think it's important to note that um, once, you know, we sort of announced that we're doing this, that, uh, that, um, Mindy is our uh, programming director, your educational director. We both heard from footsteps and from someone at the Aguda. So really at um, opposite ends of the spectrum, um, really congratulatory emails um, that we were doing such an initiative. So um, we're not here to say, just to clarify to any of our listeners today, um, that we're rejecting uh, ultra-orthodoxy as an option. It works wonderfully for lots of people. And we're not here to say that uh, you know all modern Orthodox Jews are judgmental and non-inclusive because there's many wonderful ones. But what we're trying to highlight here or sort of work with here are for the people that didn't have a place there and for you know some people in the modern Orthodox world to understand that this is even something that we need to do. I mean, for myself, until I met this couple, I had no idea that they didn't know how to, you know, um, be a part of our community and probably you had the, the same thing. Mindy, can I ask you, did you have a hard time acclimating into the modern Orthodox world when you decided that's where you wanted to end up? Did you find that there were gaps for yourself? Um, I found it on my end. I didn't find, as Gabrielle said, judgment or any of that. Okay. Um, you know, it took because it was you know, it happened over a, a period of time, first in the Bay Lamb, and then, you know, when I met my husband and then moving to Memphis. So I didn't find any, you know, negative um, sort of judgment on the part of other people. But it took me a long time, for example, to get used to talking with the other gender. That was yeah. extremely difficult for me to get used to. Yeah. And um, kind of this, uh, there's this bantering that I find in the, in the modern Orthodox world, which doesn't exist in the Hasidic or Haredi world. You know, people are much more serious and straight laced. So huh. like this, hmm? What do you mean by bantering? I'm so into like, <clears throat> that, what, how? <laughs> so, you know, um, where, I was, where I'm from, you don't joke about uh, a lot of things. I felt like uh, there's a lot more um, things are taken very seriously in the Haredi world. So 
you just, you know, everything is, you know, you're working on yourself all the time. You're trying to be the best person you can be. So the modern Orthodox world was, um, it's more relaxed than what I was used to. So it took me a while to get used to that, you know, more easygoing attitude about things. (laughs) I think that, I wonder if that's sort of, um, sort of a cultural thing from maybe like European, more sort of strict, um, as opposed to kind of like more American type of style, like even like parents and children, I think more had more of a distance in the old country, which probably the Hasidic world, um, it's, you know, more like that as opposed to more of the relaxed nature of, you know, kind of the, you know, Americans, you know, drinking their Coca-Cola and, you know, mm-hmm. kicking up their feet, maybe that sort of a thing. So you guys have been speaking to, um, we've had a, a slew of volunteers come forward since this post a few months ago. So you've been interviewing, how, would you, do you guys have a sense of how many you've spoken to so far? How many uh, lay, lay mentors we have? Well, um, I've been doing a lot of the interviewing. Um, we have, like you said, 200 people who volunteered initially, and then about 100 people who filled out our comprehensive survey. So I've been interviewing them one by one. And actually, it's interesting. One thing that has really come up again and again is that quite a few people have been saying, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. There have been, I've been seeing this problem, and I've been wanting to do something. I just never got around to it. And I'm so happy that you're here so I can do something. I found that really interesting and nice to hear. It's amazing. You know, I think uh, for me, um, I had this feeling that I should do something ever since I met this couple. But A, I didn't know, like, how are you, how do you do this? Because I, A, I don't know how to. And B, we don't have funding. And C, what will people say? Will, you know, the Haredi world get angry? Will, you know, and um, I sort of got pushed over the edge when I read about this woman who had to pay someone to play with her son. I sort of felt like no more excuses. Let's just, you just start by doing, you know, almost like the Nasev Anishma approach. Um, we will do and then we will figure it out which is how the Jewish people accepted the Torah at Mount Sinai. And so what's so heartwarming for me is that when I put this out there, just seeing the outpouring of response, especially the two of you, um, devoting so much of your time to to making this happen. I I could not do this on my own. This was, I was really at the end of my, you know, um, time, you know, limit in terms of what I'm managing with a regular Jew in the city of work. And yet I still wanted to contribute. So um, I just want to thank both of you for, you know, putting so much time and effort and dedication. And um, there are so many people who um, are going to have such a great debt to you for what what, uh, you're, you're doing. Can you Tell us about the upcoming Shabbaton. You guys are also planning a Shabbaton now. Gabriella, do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so we are um, working on setting up a, a Shabbaton. Um, it's not 100% confirmed yet, but the date, as soon as we nail it down, will be um, March 20th, 21st. And um, what we're looking to do is to have a Shabbos where we sort of get together and a learn things, um, both uh, Jewishly and um, on Sunday morning, we would also talk a little bit about um, the kind of the secular end of things for people who might be interested in applying to college or, and stuff like that, but uh, also to talk about our experiences and meet people and network, um, possibly um, think about where people might want to live if, they, if they're looking to move. Um, we're planning on having various shiurim in Tanakh and in um, Halacha, as well as some hashkafa shiurim to give people a taste of a range of things. Um, we're not looking to sell one particular viewpoint either, because the whole point is there is a whole spectrum out there um, to choose from. Amazing. And, um, I want to talk about one other part. We want to have a panel of people who have made the transition so that we people can see learn from other people's experiences and you know learn what the process was like learn what made people want to leave how they did it uh, advice that they have to give and we're also going to be having a social worker who works has dealt extensively with people um, dealing with this issue to talk about her experiences and professionally 
you know, what she has um, seen and what she can advise. And, you know, and hopefully that will be a springboard for people to then, you know, share their own experiences, talk about it with each other at their leisure. Perfect. So guys, so what we're going to do is as the details of the Shabbaton get more uh, nailed down, we will be updating on this radio show. If any of our listeners here are either someone who is not satisfied with their Haredi or Hasidic life and was looking for a new option or know someone who um, is in that position, um, we will keep you posted. And, um, you know, please, uh, you know, uh, keep this weekend of March 22nd, 21st, 22nd, you said, is that... I think it's 20th, 21st. 20th, 21st. It's, it's the weekend before Shabbat Haggadol. Excellent. Okay, great. 20th, 21st. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for all your hard work. And um, I look forward to uh, doing amazing things with you guys. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to our amazing guests today. You know, an interesting thing at Jew in the City is that when I first founded this movement, this social media movement to rebrand orthodoxy, I thought that we needed to rebrand what Orthodox meant to, to non-Jewish people, to non-Orthodox people, to show them the balance and the nuance and the fact that you could be open-minded and using your talents. Um, it was only after I met this ex-Hasidic couple a year and a half ago that I realized that um, there are some people who were raised Orthodox. I've heard from them more and more, the people who grew up um, keeping Shabbos, keeping kosher, studying Torah, that they didn't realize that this balance, that this ability to have the best of both worlds is possible. And so um, I, you know, I don't see um, Project Makom as uh, sort of... Um, a different direction from what we've done in the past for Jew in the City. I see that what we're doing is just offering this message of balance and um, enjoying the world while we live a meaningful and spiritual life. We're just um, offering it now to more people. And I believe, and obviously, you know, people are, are free to disagree with me, but I believe having a balance and having an open mind and living with nuance um, really is is the goal of being a Torah-observant Jew, being an Orthodox Jew. And um, unfortunately, there are a lot of extremists um, out there. I shouldn't say a lot of extremists. There are extremists in the Orthodox world that have made a lot of noise, is what I should say instead. Um, I don't actually know how many there are, but um, the problem is that they are the ones that have gotten most of the media attention. And so um, what we're doing now is we are taking back that label. We're taking back that brand. And um, thank you so much for joining us this week and every week um, and help us on that, uh, on that journey. Have a happy Hanukkah, and we'll uh, see you here, same time, same place. Bye-bye.